Section 19 of Optics. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Pamela Krantz. Optics by Isaac Newton. Book 2, Part 1. Observations 1 through 6. Observations concerning the reflections, refractions, and colors of thin transparent bodies. It has been observed by others that transparent substances as glass, water, air, etc., when made very thin by being blown into bubbles or otherwise formed into plates, do exhibit various colors according to their various thinness, although at a greater thickness they appear very clear and colorless. In the former book I forbore to treat of these colors, because they seemed of a more difficult consideration, and were not necessary for establishing the properties of light they are discoursed of. But because they may conduce to farther discoveries for completing the theory of light, especially as to the constitution of the parts of natural bodies, on which their colors or transparency depend, I have here set down an account of them. To render this discourse short and distinct, I have first described the principle of my observations, and then considered and made use of them. The observations are these. Observation 1. Compressing two prisms hard together that their sides, which by chance were a very little convex, might somewhere touch one another, I found the place in which they touched to become absolutely transparent as if they had there been one continued piece of glass. For when the light fell so obliquely on the air, which in other places was between them, as to be all reflected, it seemed in that place of contact to be wholly transmitted, insomuch that when looked upon it appeared like a black or dark spot, by reason that little or no sensible light was reflected from thence as from other places and when looked through it seemed as it were a hole in that air which was formed into a thin plate by being compressed between the glasses and through this hole objects that were beyond might be seen distinctly which could not at all be seen through other parts of the glasses where the air was interjacent although the glasses were a little convex yet this transparent spot was of a considerable breadth which breadth seemed principally to proceed from the yielding inwards of the parts of the glasses, by reason of their mutual pressure. For by pressing them very hard together it would become much broader than otherwise. Observation 2. When the plate of air, by turning the prisms about their common axis, became so little inclined to the incident rays that some of them began to be transmitted, there arose in it many slender arcs of colors, which at first were shaped almost like the conchoid, as you see them delineated in the first figure. And by continuing the motion of the prisms, these arcs increased and bended more and more about the said transparent spot, till they were completed into circles or rings encompassing it, and afterwards continually grew more and more contracted. These arcs at their first appearance were of a violet and blue color, and between them, were white arcs of circles, which presently, by continuing the motion of the prisms, became a little tinged in their inward limbs with red and yellow, and to their outward limbs the blue was adjacent, so that the order of these colors from the central dark spot was at that time white, blue, violet, black, red, orange, yellow, white, blue, violet, etc., 
but the yellow and red were much fainter than the blue and violet the motion of the prisms about their axis being continued these colors contracted more and more shrinking towards the whiteness on either side of it until they totally vanished into it and then the circles in those parts appeared black and white without any other colors intermixed but by farther moving the prisms about the colors again emerged out of the whiteness the violet and blue at its inward limb and at its outward limb the red and yellow so that now their order from the central spot was white yellow red black violet blue white yellow red etc contrary to what it was before observation three when the rings or some parts of them appeared only black and white they were very distinct and well defined and the blackness seemed as intense as that of the central spot also in the borders of the rings where the colors began to emerge out of the whiteness they were pretty distinct which made them visible to a very great multitude i have sometimes numbered above thirty successions reckoning every black and white ring for one succession and seen more of them which by reason of their smallness i could not number but in other positions of the prisms at which the rings appeared of many colors i could not distinguish above eight or nine of them and the exterior of those were very confused and dilute in these two observations to see the rings distinct and without any other color than black and white i found it necessary to hold my eye at a good distance from them for by approaching nearer although in the same inclination of my eye to the plane of the rings there emerged a bluish color out of the white which by dilating itself more and more into the black rendered the circles less distinct and left the white a little tinged with red and yellow I found also by looking through a slit or oblong hole which was narrower than the pupil of my eye and held close to it parallel to the prisms I could see the circles much distincter and visible to a far greater number than otherwise observation four to observe more nicely the order of the colors which arose out of the white circles as the rays became less and less inclined to the plate of air I took two object glasses the one a plano convex for a fourteen-foot telescope and the other a large double convex for one of about fifty foot and upon this laying the other with its plane side downwards i pressed them slowly together to make the colors successively emerge in the middle of the circles and then slowly lifted the upper glass from the lower to make them successively vanish again in the same place the color which by pressing the glasses together emerged last in the middle of the other colors would upon its first appearance look like a circle of a color almost uniform from the circumference to the center and by compressing the glasses still more grow continually broader until a new color emerged in its center and thereby it became a ring encompassing that new color and by compressing the glasses still more the diameter of this ring would increase and the breadth of its orbit or perimeter decrease until another new color emerged in the center of the last and so on until a third a fourth a fifth and other following new colors successively emerged there and became rings encompassing the innermost color the last of which was the black spot and on the contrary by lifting up the upper glass from the lower the diameter of the rings would decrease and the breadth of their orbit increase until their colors reached successively to the center and then they being of a considerable breadth 
I could more easily discern and distinguish their species than before. And by this means I observed their succession and quantity to be as followeth. Next to the pellucid central spot made by the contact of the glasses succeeded blue, white, yellow, and red. The blue was so little in quantity that I could not discern it in the circles made by the prisms, nor could I well distinguish any violet in it. But the yellow and red were pretty copious, and seemed about as much in extent as the white, and four or five times more than the blue. The next circuit in order of colors immediately encompassing these were violet, blue, green, yellow, and red, and these were all of them copious and vivid, excepting the green which was very little in quantity, and seemed much more faint and dilute than the other colors. Of the other four, the violet was the least in extent, and the blue less than the yellow or red. The third circuit or order was purple, blue, green, yellow, and red, in which the purple seemed more reddish than the violet in the former circuit, and the green was much more conspicuous, being as brisk and copious as any of the other colors except the yellow. But the red began to be a little faded, inclining very much to purple. After this succeeded the fourth circuit of green and red. The green was very copious and lively, inclining on the one side to blue, and on the other side to yellow. But in this fourth circuit there was neither violet, blue, nor yellow, and the red was very imperfect and dirty. Also the succeeding colors became more and more imperfect and dilute, till after three or four revolutions they ended in perfect whiteness. Their form, when the glasses were most compressed, so as to make the black spot appear in the center, is delineated in the second figure, where A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, K, L, M, N, O, P, Q, R, S, T, V, X, Y, Z, denote the colors reckoned in order from the center, black, blue, white, yellow, red, violet, blue, green, yellow, red, purple, blue, green, yellow, red, green, red, greenish, blue, red, greenish, blue, pale, red, greenish, blue, reddish, white. Observation 5. To determine the interval of the glasses, or thickness of the interjacent air by which each color was produced, I measured the diameters of the first six rings at the most lucid part of their orbits and squaring them I found their squares to be in the arithmetical progression of the odd numbers 1, 3, 5, 7, 9, 11. And since one of these glasses was plain and the other spherical, their intervals at those rings must be in the same progression. I measured also the diameters of the dark or faint rings between the more lucid colors, and found their squares to be in the arithmetical progression of the even numbers 2, 4, 6, 8, 10, 12. And it being very nice and difficult to take these measures exactly, I repeated them diverse times at diverse parts of the glasses, that by their agreement I might be confirmed in them, and the same method I used in determining some others of the following observations. Observation 6. The diameter of the sixth ring at the most lucid part of its orbit was 58 one-hundredths parts of an inch and the diameter of the sphere on which the double-convex object-glass was ground was about 102 feet, and hence I gathered the thickness of the air or aerial interval of the glasses at that ring. 
but some time after suspecting that in making this observation i had not determined the diameter of the sphere with sufficient accurateness and being uncertain whether the plano convex glass was truly plain and not something concave or convex on that side which i accounted plain and whether i had not pressed the glasses together as i often did to make them touch for by pressing such glasses together their parts easily yield inwards and the rings thereby become sensibly broader than they would be did the glasses keep their figures i repeated the experiment and found the diameter of the sixth lucid ring about fifty-five one-hundredths parts of an inch i repeated the experiment also with such an object-glass of another telescope as i had at hand this was a double convex ground on both sides to one and the same sphere and its focus was distant from it eighty-three and two-fifths inches and thence if the signs of incidence and refraction of the bright yellow light be assumed in proportion as eleven to seventeen the diameter of the sphere to which the glass was figured will by computation be found one hundred eighty-two inches this glass i laid upon a flat one so that the black spot appeared in the middle of the rings of colors without any other pressure than that of the weight of the glass and now measuring the diameter of the fifth dark circle as accurately as i could i found it the fifth part of an inch precisely this measure was taken with the points of a pair of compasses on the upper surface on the upper glass and my eye was about eight or nine inches distance from the glass almost perpendicularly over it and the glass was one-sixth of an inch thick and thence it is easy to collect that the true diameter of the ring between the glasses was greater than its measured diameter above the glasses in the proportion of eighty to seventy-nine or thereabouts and by consequence equal to sixteen seventy-ninth parts of an inch and its true semi-diameter equal to eight seventy-ninths parts now as the diameter of the sphere one hundred eighty-two inches is to the semi-diameter of this fifth dark ring eight seventy-ninths parts of an inch so is the semi-diameter to the thickness of the air at this fifth dark ring which is therefore thirty-two five hundred and sixty-seven thousand nine hundred and thirty-one or one hundred one million seven hundred and seventy four thousand seven hundred and eighty four parts of an inch and the fifth part thereof that is the one eighty eight thousand seven hundred and thirty ninth part of an inch is the thickness of the air at the first of these dark rings the same experiment i repeated with another double convex object glass ground on both sides to one and the same sphere its focus was distant from it one hundred and sixty-eight and a half inches and therefore the diameter of that sphere was one hundred and eighty-four inches this glass being laid upon the same plain glass the diameter of the fifth of the dark rings when the black spot in their centre appeared plainly without pressing the glasses was by the measure of the compasses upon the upper glass one hundred and twenty-one six hundredths parts of an inch and by consequence between the glasses it was twelve hundred twenty-two six thousandths for the upper glass was one-eighth of an inch thick and my eye was distant from it eight inches and a third proportional to half this from the diameter of the sphere is five eighty-eight thousand eight hundred and fiftieths parts of an inch this is therefore the thickness of the air at this ring and a fifth part thereof that is the one 
88,850th part of an inch is the thickness thereof at the first of the rings, as above. I tried the same thing by laying these object glasses upon flat pieces of a broken looking glass, and found the same measures of the rings, which makes me rely upon them till they can be determined more accurately by glasses ground to larger spheres, though in such glasses greater care must be taken of a true plane. These dimensions were taken when my eye was placed almost perpendicularly over the glasses, being about an inch or an inch and a quarter distant from the incident rays, and eight inches distant from the glass, so that the rays were inclined to the glass in an angle of about four degrees. Whence by the following observation you will understand that had the rays been perpendicular to the glasses, the thickness of the air at these rings would have been less in the proportion of the radius to the secant of four degrees, that is, of 10,000 to 10,024. Let the thicknesses found be therefore diminished in this proportion, and they will become 1, 88,950 seconds, and 1, 89,060 thirds, or, to use the nearest round number, the 1, 89,000th part of an inch. This is the thickness of the air at the darkest part of the first dark ring made by perpendicular rays, and half this thickness multiplied by the progression 1, 3, 5, 7, 9, 11, etc., gives the thicknesses of the air at the most luminous parts of all the brightest rings, that is, 1, 178,000ths, 3, 178,000ths, five one hundred and seventy eight thousandths seven one hundred and seventy eight thousandths etc their arithmetical means two one hundred and seventy eight thousandths four one hundred and seventy eight thousandths six one hundred and seventy eight thousandths etc being its thicknesses at the darkest parts of all the dark ones end of section nineteen recording by pamela Krantz.